You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who, so you don't have to. I'm JR. Hi, I'm Matt. Hi, I'm Lee. And I'm Simon. Um, is there any one of the four of us who didn't think that was dreadful? Oh, no, I like it. Oh, okay. Well, you can leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <clears throat> oh, am I the only one? I think so, yeah. No. Oh, really? No, I'm half and half. I was a remake of In Forest of the Night with none of the charm. <laughs> I tell you what, that probably... <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm staggered. Really? Yeah. I've got a half and half feel about it. That probably looked really good on paper, and it would probably make a really good novel. Yeah. But it was basically just two people running around a building, going through all the same motions that you had in In the Forest of the Night, except in In the Forest of the Night, you had the children there to mitigate against it becoming really dull. It felt like a really great sci-fi short story. <clears throat> totally science fiction. There was no Maybe that's what here. I was buying into then. Yeah. And yeah. it was beautiful. That's what made a good episode. And it was beautifully yeah. shot. But normally what Doctor Who does is it takes... Or what Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who's been doing is it's been taking a brief science fiction idea and expanding it through character. And apart from the stuff with Pearl Mackey learning to be the Doctor's companion, and even after about... 10 or 15 minutes, I thought they ran out of that. Once it was beyond that, it was literally, the Doctor walks into a room, says, okay, I've worked out that that's what's happening here. Mm. And then he walks into another room and says, and now I've worked out that that's what's happening here. And that was it. It was yeah. literally just one room into the next. But, it's, but it's, wasn't, the, wasn't the point about, so we're, we're still rebooting the series, we're still learning about the series. But has and this there, is part of that. Has this there is... been any anything out there to say that that's that is exactly what is happening? That we've been because I, I felt happening. incredibly patronised not only as a Doctor Who fan but just as a viewer. I mean, we didn't need Peter Capaldi telling us the plot and you know exposition and explaining everything every three seconds. And there was that wonderfully terrible thing. It's a cliche that unfortunately a lot of American films and TV don't, where they explain something which is plainly in front of your face so when she's looking through or the, the other images images and she were, says yeah. oh that's her you know the lady on the bed we know it's her because they've just gone onto <clears> the <throat> screen with the picture of the lady on the bed on it you but, don't need to tell us this but the other half of it was the doctor was walking into a room and working something out without any clues he was just saying oh they're killing you because yeah. you've got two tears on your back how did he know that i don't know no, because they went into the data and they they noticed that the death of the woman was the start of this outbreak of death. And then he yeah, made a link that... between that and grief. After he had his magic moment with the, the skull. Uh... <laughs> no, this was before. Oh, was no. it? No, no this was after the magic moment with the skull. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was great. I thought it was a really... I mean, I thought I loved the way it took its time just with the Doctor yeah. and with 
what's her name? <laughs> Bill. Yeah, but the whole gave, episode. Gave them time to be together. I really like the way it looked. <clears throat> it felt like a gear change, didn't it? it yeah, was, yeah. Um, I mean, it is. It was very un-Stephen Moffat. It wasn't a complex story. It wasn't a... It didn't go back and forth. It was the opposite of what we had last week, which was a planet-hopping mm. kind of insane Stephen Moffat adventure. But I think you, that's the beauty of Doctor Who is then you can change gears and then next week we've got an historical adventure. Yeah, but, it, but there it, was... It took its time to sort of like give well, them time. Well, it did time, take its time. Give, give them time spent 45 minutes with just two but characters. It was, but it was a mystery. I mean, it was. A, mm. but, it it was wasn't a a, but it wasn't. But it wasn't a mystery because we <laughs> knew in the pre-credits sequence what was happening. But we didn't know that the, the colonists we were already really. there. Well, no, that was pretty obvious. I didn't. Well, I we didn't. didn't so. We didn't know why that situation had occurred. Yeah. yeah. But as soon yeah. as you see the boy, you can work it out. And then, ten minutes later, yeah, didn't I turned around to you, Matt, and I said, "Ah," but I didn't say anything because you looked blank. So I thought I best not give it away. And then as soon as you saw the pods, that's when you got it. But I got it yeah. as soon as the kid woke up. That this is the craft. You didn't get it as soon as you said, why are these blank areas around the engine? No, you got it even before that. But But that's fine. That's quite a way through really a mystery, though. The mystery was, why did the robots make the conclusion that people need to be killed if they weren't happy? I think they were both both mysteries, really, weren't they? That's kind of a logic problem at the heart of it. Hmm, Okay. That's a good idea. Well, it's an interesting idea. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea that you'd make robots that, if they saw that you were unhappy, would think, well, the only thing we can do, therefore, is to kill you. Well, it's equating, it's equating unhappiness and grief with illness. I mean, it's an extension of the empty child. It's just robots that confuse human yeah. emotion with something else. Yeah, maybe yeah, so, but then if you're ill, they cure you. Do you know well, what would be... Well, they cu- how do you cure... One they made, made the leap of logic like, like, that the thing yeah. that was making people unhappy was <clears throat> other people being unhappy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And therefore, it becomes a terminal illness. Was that like the hand? Well, that that so Did we not have the handbots doing something similar? Didn't the handbots do yeah, something similar? It's all things we've seen before. Mm. Yeah. But but. There was just there was no interaction with anybody or anything, and in the end, you had scenes where they run back to the TARDIS and then they run back to the city, but and it just—I kind of liked the no interactions. I sort of hoped they weren't going to see anybody. I this sort is, of liked, <clears throat> and just the, the so. But I don't think it was interesting a, enough. Even as a visual episode, the, the setting funny. and yeah, and was... building in the cornfield, I thought that was really. Really, kind I of wouldn't say I was entertained different. by it, but I was definitely charmed by it. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. No, I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I okay, it. maybe it's you might say it's, it's shallow and surfacey, but the way it was filmed, the the space. Um, I didn't even about like two the thirds way of the way was... through. I ha- I will admit, two thirds of the way through, I thought, right, is something going to happen now? Let's let's. But then I, I was really chilled. So they they spend all that time wandering around with nobody else, and when she encounters the dead body, mm. I had genuine kind of. That was almost a sort of a wicker man-y feel. Mm. <coughs> the, was really was, the old one, <laughs> th- dead body. I thought it was like an early episode of Red Dwarf where they found the aging yes. cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt all those elements. Uh, definitely there was a Red Dwarfy feel about it as well. But um, When they walked on the spaceship, I was hoping they were going to bump into somebody just to wake the thing up. I didn't want them to. I was quite <laughs> happy with the... Yeah, yeah. the Probably because it's very un-Stephen Moffat-y. I think he's doing something that's very that doesn't have Stephen Moffat's fingerprints on it. Right. And I don't I, necessarily want I it to that's... be Stephen Moffat-y, but I want there to be something there. There was for me, there was just nothing there at all. There was a lot of dialogue between the Doctor and Bill, mm, which I yeah, think was, was the point. Do you know what? And, this... and Pearl Mackey's really great, 
and she she <clears throat> continued to develop her greatness in this. Well, but but after about fifteen minutes, I was like, "Is that going to be the entire episode?" Because you might as well just have the pair of them sitting in a cafe having a conversation for forty five minutes, because the story wasn't going anywhere. There's a strange dichotomy of. The uh, whole thing felt like something from the seventies. So you had a bit of a, you know, silent running, THX, all that sort of thing. So it, had, it had, did have that. And of course, Soylent Green. Soylent yeah, no Green, spoilers. yeah, and a little bit of in- Interstellar. You know, it's had that slight Interstellar mm-hmm. visual about it. Mm-hmm. But it's also in danger because we watched it in HD. It's the first <clears> time <throat> I've seen Doctor Who in HD. Okay. Have to say, by the way, um, and to me, it felt almost like no, it wasn't in HD. We didn't watch it in wasn't HD. Wasn't it? No. Frame rate was higher. Yeah, yeah. We watched it in 48 FPS. Yeah, can't, can't bear it. Because it just makes it look like a soap opera. But anyway, it felt cheap, cheaper, because I watched it in that frame rate. Really? It, yeah, it felt, like, it, it felt like... It felt like... What it felt like, because I don't know, J.R. watches more cheap films uh, you know, than anybody else here. <laughs> cheap, rubbish films. It depends, what, it depends what they send him. Sci-fi. You know, but if you Last get night, cheap... I watched Performance on Blu-ray. That's great. Mm-hmm. If you go out with a few couple of million dollars Which and you want to do a sci-fi film. film, right, and you want to film it, you, you're going to have one robot or two robots, if you're lucky, in CGI for about five minutes. And you spread it out with the film and it takes ages. You have a, you can do a, you can do a, an alien city for that. And then the rest of it is kind of, should be character based because you can't really do anything else with what you've got. Doctor Who's got a, quite a good budget and it's got, you know, it did have some bits and pieces in there that were different, but it felt like, especially when they were coming out of their pods and their hoodies, hoodies, right, and then firing at the, the, the robots with slightly rubbishy dialogue and not incredibly act, great acting. No. It felt cheap. It suddenly felt like one the of those films that you throw out and the, the start as well. Ends up in a bar- <clears throat> you know, basket. But the the I tell you what, the exterior shots looked. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Look, they didn't look Cardiffy. No, 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 no. No, it looked no, lovely. It was a yeah, mixture. But there was... I thought it looked. Yeah. I thought the world building, Most considering for a single yeah. episode, yeah. I think was top notch. No, no, the, the visual really... world building. Visuals, yeah, no, but also that. Well, I tell you what, and Matt. I tell you what the point. I tell you what the point of that was. There was nobody and nothing there in that episode for me to care about. Mm. So the after do- twenty the minutes, and Bill Potts—that's the whole point of the no, episode. Was no, it was about no, them Matt exploring? No, beyond that. But why did you need well, someone beyond that? Yeah, why, why not? not why not have an episode that's just about visual world building and the Doctor and his companion exploring? Mm. Well, because that's, that's empty. That? But that's okay. That's empty. No, no, <laughs> it, it was empty. But that, yeah, that is okay if you've got two characters who are building upon their relationship. Yeah. It got to a point in that episode, 15 minutes in, where I love Bill asking questions. And obviously that's her thing. She's always going to ask questions. And it's funny. And the interaction's funny. And I could probably watch them all day, just just talking. But you but needed the, something more. But you needed something else. If that there's, kid, there's for also... instance, if the child had walked in 15 minutes in, you have an extra bit of tension, an extra bit of danger, then you're looking after a child. That's yeah. even more. And actually the relationship between the two main characters suddenly changes. Because you have the Doctor probably half caring about the boy, but trying not to think about it. And then mm. Bill really caring for the boy. Or something like that. It, just may, it would have thrown something in. Maybe he couldn't but speak. Also... Maybe he had Different language. I don't know. And the pacing was shocking because you had all this running around for the first half an hour, and then the last two scenes took up the entire 15 minutes. That last scene where they come out with the guns and they're in that room shooting at various things was like a rerun of the Doctor's Daughter. 
that yes. dreadful last scene from the Doctor's Daughter, yes. where the Doctor's standing there expositing all over the place, yes. and a bunch of bunch of blank faces are standing around <laughs> looking at him as if they're waiting for something to happen. Well, alternatively, like the Zygon inversion, which is no, more because well that achieved has, a purpose. And has the same, <clears throat> has the same, effectively the same ending. Yes, but the difference there is. The Zygon inversion had a purpose and the Doctor had something to say. In this, it was just, oh, a mistake has been made and I've pulled the plug on it. Yeah, but that wasn't the ending, was it? He pulled the plug, but then he had to negotiate between... He had to do the the... David Tennant's cries and spits all over the place as he says whatever it is he says in the end of the Doctor's door. The negotiation between robots and... The humans is a real Stephen Moffat thing. That's yes. something that he was doing in the yes, in but, Day of the Doctor and Dragon Inversion. And but Peter Capaldi's heart wasn't in it. I think there's also. I really, thought Peter Capaldi was awful in there that. There was last also scene. there's also something about the Doctor's character which is a bit weird in this series. There's something that so that's probably the that's one of the mysteries of this series mm. is why he's he's taken an oath to stay on the planet. What's in the vault? And I think a lot of that was developing that as well. So he was going through and he was reminding new viewers or telling new viewers what the Doctor does, but also suggesting this kind of non-intervention thing. So we're relearning what the Doctor does. But again, I thought they ran out of things to tell us about the Doctor after about 15 minutes. And then after that, they were just kind of repeating the same things. And there seemed to be this very strange thing with the music, which I really like. But why was it playing permanently all the way through, even in the quiet parts? There are moments when you can drop the music out completely to heighten the scene mm. with, with two characters. There were two moments I picked it up, which was near the start when you had the quirky commenta- conversation between, like, we're being told that that's the quirky that's the conversation. Bit, yeah, yeah. yeah, and there was one near the end as well. But actually, some of the stuff in there is really yeah, quite really different. Good. I mean, it was, it was quite different. retro, actually. Yeah, I quite liked it. Yeah, but there was some very it was just too much of it there. again. Mm. You, you know, now and again, you just need to pause. <clears throat> I didn't notice the music. Didn't you? But maybe, now. I'm, maybe I'm immune to it or just <laughs> oblivious to it. Yeah. But but the for me the look the look of the episode was great. The dialogue was really funny. Yeah. I laughed. Yeah. On several, Actually, yeah. several occasions. It was uh, yeah, the but story I thought everyone was laughing. Everybody was, was laughing <laughs> for a quarter of an hour and right. nobody laughed for the last half an hour. Mm. Um the story I think was simple and I thought the pacing was fine. I thought you know the the mysteries developed. No, the mysteries it. developed really well throughout the episode. Do and then think... there was a climax. I mean, he hit the re- a reset button, which they've accused the series of doing too many times. But, but he's, he's doing it with it a, was yeah. But he's doing it with computers. So. It was a very smooth curve of a of a story, but it didn't seem to have a peak. I will say, as I say, about two thirds of the way through, I thought, right, are we going to get some meat now on the yeah. bones, so to speak? Yeah, but I don't think that that kind of depth charges the story or the episode. No. I think the rest more than compensate for it. I, like, the, I do like the wasn't line... really a rest, was I do there? like the line that she delivered right at the end. Yeah, he turned it on and off. You know, I've been waiting for somebody to say that in for ages. <laughs> well, like I <laughs> said, the rest, the rest is the look and the dialogue, the relationship between the Doctor and Bill. I these all know. these all kept the kept my interest. Mm. I can That's imagine the, the fans the doing that thing of saying, oh yeah, there's just a big red button at the end. 
It is a big red button. But that's not. But that no. wasn't. It's not, but that wasn't that's the not an issue. But that wasn't the climax of the episode. The climax of the episode was that negotiation, yeah. the indigenous life form mm. negotiation, and the pound signs in the emoji's eyes. Yeah. 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 The negotiation between a robot and the, the humans. Yeah. But, but we didn't actually what, get to say a negotiation. He just turned to the robot and yeah. said, "There are some people here who want to live in here." But again, ask him for again, money. They, it was again, that's extremely a, that's a superficial. For Doctor Who. You see the beginning of negotiation. No, you've just brought up you, you, the Zygon inversion. Yeah, but you don't Where the see... negotiation took 15 minutes. The negotiation here took less than 15 seconds. You, well, you don't logical s- robots. You don't really see the outcome in the Zygon inversion. You see the beginning of the negotiation. Well, you didn't see the, the outcome the here. Is. Exactly. That's the, that's the but whole you don't point. need to in the Zygon inversion. That's some wholly co- complex and globally kind of traversing... Episode. Yeah, and this is a simpler. I mean, the Zygon version of contemporary Earth. This is a simpler. This is sort of sci-fi bubble down into allegory. So but it has to reflect something. And it didn't reflect anything that in the Forest of the Night hadn't already done. It just retread that story for me. But that story. But that's allegory for you, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you, but what, you tell but the what same, was the similar stories in different ways? What was the purpose of it? Well. Most of Doctor Who retells similar stories yeah, in different what, ways. Yeah, no, I'm not asking whether he was retelling the story. I'm asking what was the purpose of retelling the story. What was the point of that episode? I was saying more about artificial intelligence, as far as I could tell. Yeah. Um, but... it, was ta- it was taking elements of nowadays, taking the mobile thing to their natural mm-hmm. progression, mm-hmm. looking back on our time now because of emojis and things like that, where mm-hmm. emotions are becoming very simplistic. Mm. The Facebook um, friend thing, yeah. yeah. And to be honest, and to be honest, the purpose is the pleasure of seeing this visual world creating. Mm. This, this just, you know, all the points. Some, sometimes, sometimes the look of the thing. But I need and more the substance. Well, I mean, I'm not saying this is the greatest episode Doctor no, Who's no. ever produced. I, yeah, but I, I think dra- it, I think but... dreadful is probably overstating. overstating oh, I did overstated it at the start of the podcast for effect. Right, right. <laughs> Come on, I didn't think it was entirely dreadful. Jay, I was on tabloid on us. No, there are worst episodes that annoy the absolute hell out of me. The, what this has has got a, it has an absolutely beautiful look about it, which yeah. I can totally get into. Yeah. For goodness sake, they were wearing silver outfits again. I think it's cheap. <laughs> and to be honest, and no, also... no, the, look, hang on, wait. Just the entrance, the world building, the first 15 minutes when you walk in, it's, it's wow, this is great Doctor Who, this is different mm. I tell you what who, though the but... girl who waited did almost exactly the same thing yes. with almost exactly the same number of characters and really tore your heart out mm. this did what the girl who waited did and had no effect whatsoever on the emotions at all and I think I think to from from the look of it what the series the, this season this series is trying to do is to draw in new viewers and introduce new viewers so the second episode being something simpler something nice looking that bridges between quite a complex opening episode and then the historic a rich historical I think it'll story. be off putting because no, there's no it'll... characters other than the Doctor and Bill, and I think for a casual audience, to give them a story with no characters other than the Doctor and Bill is going to be off-putting. It would be like doing... I don't know. It would be like doing... In Torchwood Miracle Day, Mm. when the second episode is just Jack on a plane for the entire 45 minutes. (laughs) That's a really bad episode. And that was the point at which people said, oh... Is that what Torchwood Miracle Day is going to be? 
That's what this felt like to me. This is going to be the episode where all the people who were brought back last week are going to turn around and say, no, hang on, this ain't what I signed up for. Or alternatively, mm-hmm. I mean, Torture of Miracle Day is is an unfortunate example because it's so bad. But something like The X-Files, if you had a bottle episode of The X-Files, quite you wouldn't on, put it second. just Mulder and Scully. You wouldn't um, put it second? I don't know. It depends how good and how likeable the characters are. I like Bill. I think she's really good. And the actual I like Bill. I like Capaldi. But she's I think the really best thing in this, actually. Yeah. I Capaldi, think they were Capaldi, underserved by Capaldi this. made me think. It's a bit like if Graham... So it made me realise what the Doctor would be like if Graham Crowden had got the fourth <laughs> Doctor... Role, he looks a lot like Graham Crowden. He has that kind of... When thought, he smiles, he's got the same gaps at either side. Fulton Mackay, Graham Crowden hybrid. One thing also, how Peter Capaldi manages to smile, like he doesn't <laughs> yeah. want to smile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's such great. a hard really work good. for him, isn't it, to yeah. smile as the character. Yeah. And that makes it all the more funny. And you could tell yeah. from the episode title and the concept of smileys <laughs> that this is designed to put the, the Capaldi Doctor at his... Least comfortable. Yeah, mm, yeah. Mm. And you knew that was going to happen. One thing I didn't was far more clunky. It felt like it was being used as a story device as opposed to the, the whole reading the skull thing. Was I've got nothing against them sort of saying, well, the doctor's got slightly psychic abilities like he always does every now and again. He does like thought mm. transference and stuff like that. But this felt like it was just kind of a, we a never, storytelling device. We never just see. Like, that we was there to get him from A to B. Yeah. He picked up the skull and he saw that character's death. Oh, okay. Which, which, which kind of gave him a, a leap yeah. forward in the. Was that definitely his flashback or was it just a, a flashback in the episode? Was it no, no he drops was, the skull at the end of it as if it's was. given him the electric yeah. shock. Yeah, and all of a sudden he's got the answers. But okay. at no point does it A, say that there's something special about the skull that's transferring the images, so we see the images. There's nothing to say that we, you know, in the past that we see the Doctor's thoughts. The only time I think we've ever seen it is in the 11th uh, Doctor's first hour. What was it called again? 11th hour. 11th hour. Um, where he, you know, makes a kind of a Sherlock deduction mm. and you see his... But that's deduction. Doctor. That's not... No, I think it's the first kind of thoughts that we've seen the Doctor have on screen for mm. a long time or if ever. And, you know, what was the point of linking that skull to the pendant? To the kid, I mean, the kid wasn't even in it at that point. If the kid had been there, do you know what? Actually, it made you say about Forrest and I, that bit didn't sit with me right. Was the fact that the kid turned up just happened to be the 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 son of the woman we saw killed at the start of the yeah. episode? Just like you've got that child suddenly turning up at the end of Forest of the Night, and that. But is any bugs the hell out of it's me. only coincidence because we see that they focus on the woman. I mean, hundreds okay. of people have been killed. As well as her. And the but reason we, we see that woman is because she's his mother. Yeah. That's a fairly basic storytelling technique. The Doctor happens to find her necklace and happens to... Find her skull in amongst 20 find skulls. Find her skull. And, and he find... happens to wake up in amongst millions of other humans. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that... kind of basic storytelling coincidence. <laughs> but it's, I don't think it's, that's... Too, it's too see, transparent. It's that's, that's, maybe. It didn't that's, <laughs> that's only an issue if the story's not working for you. Okay. If the story's working for you, you accept that. And if the story's not, then you don't. Mm. So maybe that's just an indication that for all the pretty pictures, the story itself wasn't up to much snuff. There were nods to Ark Ark in Space. There were. Med Tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those were quite nice. Like those. Yeah, why was the Med Tech not the first one to wake instead of the kid? That's probably the issue. Why is the kid awake and walking around first? We'd screwed up the system somehow by unplugging it. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, but again, this is all things that are okay if the story's yeah. working and yeah. not if it's not. Oh, I'm struggling to find anything else to say. Well, there's some po- <laughs> there are some positive things about it, isn't there? <laughs> I think the, like the, what we've said, the robots are gorgeous. The, yeah, robot, the robots are gorgeous. The, the smiley idea on the back is really good, and it was really nice mm. to see. We all laughed when we saw the Doctor's expression that he was hiding on the back of his hoodie. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. When the robots gripped the kids' arms, that was quite chilling as well. Yeah, that was They too, were yeah. quite... Yeah, some nice moments. They were quite effective. I, I preferred them to the handbots in the girl Yeah, they're more dangerous. Oh, no, sure. I preferred the handbots, but yeah. that's not a reason. I, mean, I preferred that episode. No, but, I preferred the handbot the design. The design of the, the robots. Yeah, they were they were okay. I, just, yeah. I didn't think they were as good. Were these the real robots, but... by the way? No, the... people inside. Them, you sure? sure? Yeah, yeah. They look a bit like the Ast- the, 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 the Hyundai. Yeah, the Japanese. Yeah, I think they're just sure designed they're... to look like them. But oh, yeah, no, children think... inside. It's not, it's not an advert. Can afford Swe- that yet, sweating though. in the Spanish heat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They should have had Hyundai, or whatever it was, yeah. written over all the places, yeah. and they were just a bit of product placement. Yeah. There's a sort of a string of. Robots in Doctor Who made to look like robots that actually exist in the world because dinosaurs on the spaceship had the similar, yeah, had those big things that look like robots. But you know, did mm. mm. we like the use of Nardo? Nardo was great for his one scene again. Yeah. I think that scene was the best scene in the entire episode. What can I say? Mm. I did tell you something else that I noticed is that. Although they built this entire city for these people to move into, it was just a lot of empty rooms. Like Star I, Trek. Again, I didn't mind that too much because there weren't people there. No. So yeah, there but was, there was there supposed was an idea. to be people there. That's but, the yeah, point. But they hadn't built their furniture yet, Jack. Yeah. There's an, there's an yeah, idea. But wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be it, though? There's an idea that there was a skeleton crew existing some, right, somewhere and else. Right, a skeleton crew. And, but this vast space that was yet to be populated by people. Yeah, but and they, they still have, have to put to furniture there. And well, the I don't know. If, uh, if you watch all these home building programs, the first thing people do when they've got loads of money and loads of space is build great big white spaces. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So and don't forget the whole building to make you happy. was made out of nanobots. And I think the empty. So therefore, the the furniture is bound to yeah, be. But there was a skeleton crew, and the skeleton crew yeah, was dead. dozens of people. They were dead. And, yeah, so but before they were dead, turned back into nanobots in the wall. <laughs> and I think oh, the, wow. empty, the emptiness of the space was needed to to emphasise because then it's just the Doctor and Bill wandering around, and they're like dwarfed by this space, and that's part of the pleasure. Well, of the episode, yeah, is, is seeing this kind of stark, slightly corn. That's why they chose a cornfield because it's so yeah, huge yeah, yeah. and empty. It's it's emptiness yeah, just, breeding sinisterness. But but the emptiness of the spaces reflected the emptiness of the episode. I think the emptiness of the spaces made the episode. <laughs> well, do you know what I really like is the fact that back when uh, we were watching class and you had uh, that episode where they're bouncing between different planets and things, and they went out down to that planet which had all the, it was all very dark crystal with the plants that were spinning around. Well, we had a little bit stuff. of that last week in the pilot. Yeah, no, this is it. this is what I mean. The, that that way they're putting. I don't know whether they changed companies or what, or whether they changed thinking on it. But all of a sudden, these alien. Oh, remember watching class, mm. seeing that, and seeing. God, I wish they'd do that in Doctor Who. And now they've done it two weeks in a row. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 There were a couple of really clunky moments. You know, we're walking down this corridor and what we're really looking for is uh, something that doesn't look like it's 
been built from these robots sticking together like nuts and bolts like we've got right here oh and i'll tell you what else we need a door and look but isn't that one of those storytelling devices you're talking about on, you're exactly good. but i'm saying but that the a, episode didn't work for me so they like all that, stood out like sore there's thumbs there's something that made me think of the martian the, the ridley scott movie as well this kind of fusion of space that's designed to be on the planet and space that's been brought to the planet Mm. So the contrast between the clean white and the industrial, that's what I mean, it's an obvious contrast. But that's quite pleasing as well. The spatial interior, though, was dreadful. It was a factory, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I quite liked it. Well, I quite, kid, I, kid I, said bodies in the cargo van as well. It was, it was quite nice. nice to see Capaldi <laughs> running around. Uh, I thought there was something slightly kind of old-fashioned Doctor Who-y about it. Yeah, there was. running around yeah. an old factory. And, and sticking a giant spanner. I mean, it's better in, in, into the... Do you know what? That's what you do in the new version of Mousetrap. So you know the... that? You stick a spanner on the little thing that's in the toilet was. in the middle so that it won't So the, the central the central power thing that he was fiddling with, my first thought was... The central power thing that he was, he was fiddling, fiddling with? Yeah, in the, middle, in the middle of the gantry. The, my first thought was how much better than the similar scene in The End of the World was with the Doctor having to zen hey, his careful. way through fans. Not, not Doctor Who fans. But <laughs> the Doctor actual, makes his way through fans. fans with his central powerful gantry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's similar to the Ark in Space I'm as well, sure that's how it? David Tennant yeah, did it. Yeah. And uh, oh, was it? Ark in Space had something like that. And yeah. um, but I, I think Claws like of Axos had something. You know, all the Doctors come like back the to this big central power unit. They didn't, it didn't feel like there was much sort of CGI... And there was CGI, but the CGI for, for background carnival of monsters. You know when they go into the circuitry, yes. and everything looks like a kind of over large play school mm. kind of yeah. bricks and things. Yeah. And there's this giant spanner on the wall or something, and a cog that's made out of cardboard. <laughs> that's what it felt like to me. It was a bit kind of um, that's really quite felt quite obvious. solid and unset like. Yeah, I felt it. You know, like Star Wars. I bought it. Okay, good. You can have it. <laughs> well, I, it's also, I didn't it's, mind it. I really it's also, didn't mind it. It's also I think a lot of plus points. But it's also the, big, it's the beginning of the season, forward. so it's going to start building. And I think for me, the second episode of the season generally has usually been a disappointment because you have the excitement of the first episode, and you, then you get the second episode, and it's before the main sort of presumably this season before things start it's kicking going to in. build mm. towards his death it's going to build towards the spoilers that I don't think Lee knows about is it in our uh, but here but here it's just this kind of this kind of no man's land between the first episode and when it starts getting interesting is and it, that, for, for that sort of episode I thought I mean compared with New Earth it was, yeah, it was is, it, is it an argument to say those second episodes tend to be perspective episodes though because mm. you think at the end of the world was perspective of for Rose, yeah, they tend to build a lot and on Beast vi- Below was about perspective, yeah. and they tend to build, build a lot on visuals as well, mm. I think. So, and this is exactly what this episode did for me and Bill, yeah. But all those other episodes have been about the companion meeting people from outer space, mm. and this was about the exact opposite thing, mm. except she's meeting the doctor still, I think that's yeah, but that's what last week was for. I don't know, because she was still... I think at the end of last week's episode, the Doctor was still her lecturer. He was still this this, still hum, this human academic. This was where she met Do- the Doctor, the alien. She discovered he had two hearts. She discovered exactly the scope of his travels. But that's 
That's five that we minutes. Didn't, but we didn't get spread that. across forty-five. Well, yeah. Well, no. It's, it was the forty-five minutes for once. That's what taken, I mean. They've taken their time dealing with that interaction and that which revelation, which is fine. Which is fine. Which worked for me. Which is fine. But you could have done that with um, a little boy. You, you could have done it faster, but oh, that's yeah. not the point of stories. The point of well, stories is... Yeah, but you kind of did it last you, week when stories. you had the trip to the alien planet followed by the trip to the Dalek War. You kind of already had that then. But that, but at that point, the Doctor was running away from something. At this point, the Doctor has gone somewhere to do something. To or he's off. gone somewhere to show off, and then he decides to do something. And it's that story that's been developed. It's like a small-scale Waters of Mars. Well, actually, something bigger going on, which is that uh, Bill was looking for hope for the human race. Yeah. yeah. Do we survive? And I, I think, didn't think that really came off either. <laughs> well, well, was, I think it yeah, was better it was than Rose's, Rose's reaction to the, to the destruction of the Earth. Yeah, but the thing is, it was brought up for Bill, and you got this sequence of pictures of, like, religion through the ages building up into the Industrial Revolution, and then all of a sudden you get all these pictures of disaster. And you think that's a story point that's going to be explored or taken somewhere. And then the next time they come back to the room, it's just back to, what's this woman doing here? Oh, she was patient zero. And uh, the, the the question, do we survive? Is this the end of it? It's just, oh, we got into spaceships. Mm. And it just it just felt really too easily dismissed. Mm. She, she starts to have a reaction to it. And then the doctor says, oh, we get into spaceships. And all of a sudden it's fine. Shouldn't mm. she... Shouldn't it wasn't her to... reaction to the fact that people had to leave Earth? Shouldn't she be? I think her reaction was the reaction she gave was the whole point. I and after that, you can move on. I'm gonna to have to re watch for us of the night because I was left with the same kind of simplistic storytelling feeling. <clears> though I did enjoy this, I found time this far more entertaining than for us of the night, but I've, I need to re watch that and see where I found oh, completely the opposite more mm. interesting the second time around. Okay, I think so, it looked better than Forest of the Night, yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought Forest of the Night looked great. I think it looked it looked like sets and CGI. I think this had a sort of a, a Forest of the Night. Yeah, it wasn't sets and CGI. It was countryside. With it was forests with with sets. Oh, with in things them. put in. Yeah, yeah but what can you do? Well, I thought the exactly, way it was shot yeah, exactly. made it look so, great. So, and I thought the way this was shot made it look greater. I don't know, there were some really odd moments in here, like the director was really struggling with where he wanted to put it. It was the same guy who did last week's, but there's so many really Palmer? extreme low-angle close-ups Yeah, on and also lots of handheld stuff, which even, you know, when you have a handheld camera, it normally indicates either someone's watching you or there's kind of a, a documentary feel to it. It's a bit more realistic, you know, or if, or if, all there's action involved. Or if, yeah, it makes you feel like characters are about to move. Or yeah, but I was so aware of the movement that it made me, reminded me that there's only two people in the story. If you're going to have two people in the story, keep it really simple with the camera work as well. Well, the extreme close-ups, that generally is there to give you a feeling of claustrophobia. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, the thing that was going on here should have been the opposite. So, it was just, that was a really off-putting choice of camera work because it was working against the theme of the story. Mm. I don't know, just nothing in that sat right with me. Nothing seemed to work. Well, the first 15 minutes, I think, was great. Yeah, it worked for about the first 15 minutes, but, you know, 15 minutes in, you needed something to happen, and when you're still waiting for that thing 15 minutes later, twice as long in, I don't know, it just didn't work for me at all. Should we give it a score and move on? Okay. 
Well, unless anybody wants to bring anything else up, because we're just repeating ourselves now. No. There's not really, yeah, but that's the thing. There's not. You can't talk about the actors who were in it because there were about three and they were terrible. Talking of which, the uh, one of the actors at the beginning has, is already in the Sarah Jane episodes as one of the mums. I saw that she plays mm. a main character. Mm. Um, this is the Doctor Who world, and it's I. Ronnie's mum, is it? Yeah, I think it is. You're going to say there's a problem with having the same actors. Sometimes. When you've got Capaldi in it. (laughs) No, yeah. Who's played two other characters in Doctor Who? Oh, yeah, but there's a a difference there. You're talking about somebody who's played a small part moving on to a bigger part. What you're talking about here is somebody who's played a main part taking a smaller part. And it's exactly the same. main part quite a long time ago for a different audience. True, but it's the same universe. It's just me. I'm not agreeing with him. I'm just telling you what it is. Same accent, same type of acting. Same actor, right. um, you know. At least I don't know. Change the way you act if you're going to be in something else. Okay. But I love it. I love her acting. I think she's a brilliant right. actor. I mean, I didn't see that much of, of Sarah Jane. Oh, because, you should watch it it's because great. I was over twenty. But... It's much better than this. <sighs> okay. okay. Emotionally, right. And shall we? Shall we go around and give it a score then? Okay. All right. I'm going from left to right. Hey, listeners. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> So, Simon. Yes. Give it a score out of ten. I'd say six and a half to seven. Well, that's, that's not quite, very that's high, quite low. really, is you, it? You, well, it's, not, it's definitely not an eight, because I didn't I eight. didn't feel like it was a gem, but I think it's got yeah. a lot going for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it a seven. I wasn't all that impressed. But... Are you going with seven, then? Yeah, I'm going with yeah. seven. Seven? Yeah. I wasn't all that impressed. Like, Simon, I wasn't all that impressed, but I was just relieved as the second episode of the season that... I was you know, swept away by it. Mm. I quite liked it. It's got some beautiful things in it, and the humour's brilliant, and the first 15 minutes was excellent, but there was nothing else there, really. It was a bit of a ghost of an episode, so I have to say six, and that's being quite generous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to be that generous, am I? I'm going to give it a five. Fair enough. <laughs> well, we're not that far apart from each other, really. Not, not are really, we? no. <laughs> no, it's, it's a little tipping point, isn't it? Maybe a second week. watching will... will Increase it a bit, I don't know, but okay. Speaking of last week, Matt, you weren't here last week, yes. What did you think of the first one? It's dreadful, <laughs> it was dreadful. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I watched it with somebody who didn't know Doctor Who and hadn't seen much Doctor Who before because she had a deprived childhood. Um, and she didn't have she didn't have any questions about it, she didn't miss, she followed it perfectly well, she enjoyed it, she was swept away by it, and she wants to watch. The rest of the series, this, yeah. This past episode tomorrow because I'll have to rewatch it, right? And I suspect she'll stick on fast forward. No, no, no. I thought, well, it'd be interesting to see what she thinks about this episode because mm. if you've got an episode trying to grab new viewers, <coughs> then she would be a good yardstick to perfect. You know, yeah. I'll put a thermometer in her and see how <laughs> yeah, it works. <clears throat> but last week's, I really, yeah, I liked it. I was surprised. I'd I'd read so from from the moment that she was introduced in that pre- <coughs> preview clip. I was reading comments on Facebook from people who said that they didn't like Pearl Mackey. Mm. And everybody sensible was saying, well, you know... Just wait and wait see. Wait and see, wait and see. And she was fantastic. She mm-hmm. was really good and likeable. And I think I'd prefer her to, at the moment, prefer her to Jenna Coleman. Or she's different from Jenna Coleman. She's... She's she's a, she's a she's a well, she's an actress that makes me realise what we were, I like Jenna Coleman but yeah. now I realise what 
the alternative to, to Gemma Coleman is. It's that thing of watching somebody acting or just... Yeah, but when Gemma Coleman came in, I realised what I was missing from Amy Pond as well. So, mm-hmm. so I think she is the perfect kind of replacement mm-hmm. stroke antidote to, to Clara. Um, I think she's got the potential to be the best since the series came back. Potentially, yeah. yeah. She's, yeah. Got, yeah. she's yeah. got a lot of rows about it. I think there were a couple of moments this week, but then again, yeah. that's because I wasn't enjoying it, so they um, stood be out. Be careful not to get, you know, get stuck in a trap of her asking questions permanently mm. and being... Well, I don't well, mind, as that long that as they mean, come... But these three, these three episodes are about her asking questions, yeah, because yeah, she's yeah, new. Yeah. I also thought last mm. week, the, the Mavellans, as I suspected, weren't a key part of the, of the episode. They weren't a part um, of the episode, fact, really. In fact, we saw exactly what we saw in the in the brief shot of them in the trailer, which Basically, I was quite yeah. relieved about. Um, what? Yeah. Well, they were, Do you not like the Mavellans? No, of course I don't. They're, they're, they're <laughs> terrible. They're a terrible design. Like yeah, the, how terrible it would be to have disco robots. Yes, yeah. yeah. As soon as we've just spent 45 Absolutely. minutes looking at little disco robots. Yeah, well-designed yeah. disco robots. Um, I liked the idea... Without dreadlocks. I liked the idea of the Doctor being a lecturer. I liked the office and the call back to Sharda. As you do. And, yeah, yeah. Well, I quite like the, those robots came straight out of... Um, or could have appeared in Blur's Universal video. Hmm. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. The Clockwork Orange. You made little smiling That's robots the... in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember it. What else did I think about that? I was talking about last week's episode. Well, should we get into like spoiler territory? <laughs> well, no, okay. What's it you talking about next week's? Or no, no, no. Oh, no, no, we won't talk about... Well, next week's. You've got to be here next week, because... Aliens in the Dark Waters, a Ah, oh, And Frost Fairs. Yeah. Next and Victorian episode. London. God, it's me. I should live there. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to ask a question. It, who's written that next week's episode? Sarah Dollard plays the Raven. Ah. Ooh. Interesting. Mm. Remember you were going to say Mark Gatiss? I oh, know, because that's He's the... the yeah. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Episode. What, what can we do? I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. There's been, there have been like trailers shown on, okay. the, on the BBC, I official know. trailers with these creatures. <sighs> so they're coming and out the <laughs> And the twists. And they're coming back. There's, there's going to be four of them with different characters. <laughs> the Spice Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that is actually funny. Thank you very much. Yeah, sporty ice. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to ask a question that's speculation territory but the question doesn't involve anything Lee doesn't know about so if we move into an area in a couple of minutes where we talk about something that Lee doesn't know do, about do we now we'll have ask to start to leave anticipating the room. what Lee doesn't know yes oh god <laughs> okay here's my question does anybody in this room think that the vault contains anything other than John Sim oh oh didn't even think about that. I haven't even thought about I it. Thought it it's, oh, it's, I thought Susan might be in there. Struck, it struck me that it's... it's Susan is Pearl Mackey. I'm telling you, it makes more and more sense in my head. I said it as a joke at first. He's asking so many questions, the, it's almost too obvious. really taking help vault, now. The vault gave me sort of Pandorica vibes. This idea of it containing like, the worst thing. 
And so, but the, you know what else? The master is an obvious. Yeah, yeah. 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 And also, presumably, Gallifreyan technology. Yeah. And now we got a little hint this week that somehow it's come to Earth fifty years ago, and the Doctor's made a promise to look after it. Mm. Presumably, while somebody else decides what they need to do so with it's, it. It's effectively a tra- dimensionally transcendental zoo, where the the, the Johnson Master can, can be kept happily, maybe in a sort of a, a a fabricated world that he thinks he's ruling. Maybe. Thank you. I don't think it would be anything as complicated as that. I mean, obviously, you're being so, slightly facetious. No, certainly, I really like that idea. Matt, well, yeah, if yeah. that hasn't been written anywhere, yeah. copyright it right now. Okay. Oh, yeah. my God, it's in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Where's them. Where's the Matrix? <laughs> yeah. 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 So. My point was going to be, the last time we saw John Sims' master, right, he got trapped on Gallifrey when he was hmm. facing off against Rassler. I'm just saying, if this has fallen out of the sky, presumably the Masters found a way to escape from Gallifrey while the Time War's still going on. This thing that's a bit like the Genesis arc it falls out of the sky. It's got the Master in it. It mm. was the only way to get out of Gallifrey. But he doesn't have a key to let himself out. Mm. So since the Time Lords are now free, they say to the Doctor, look for this arc. It's got the master in it. And the doctor says, "Right, I'll look after it until we but, decide what to do with it." Yeah, I'm just saying that seems so obvious. Obviously, and he escapes. Who, then he changes who, into Missy. But just before you do, Matt, one more question: yeah, and who would be the person who would be coming to open it? Who would force the doctor to open it? It would be a future incarnation of the master, wouldn't it? But I'm so. Not... Episode eleven ends with Missy getting the doctor to open the Pandorica. The Vault. Genesis Arc, yeah. the vault, and John Sim comes out. And if they hadn't messed up the spoiler about John Sim being in it, wouldn't that have just been the best cliffhanger and of any episode? It would have been ever? great if she said, Well, okay, we better get this moving. Shoots John Sim and then goes, Oh, I'm changing. See you later. So she goes off and then changes. But wasn't, but wasn't there something last week of the doctor trying to get into the vault? Oh, there may have been. What I'm saying <laughs> is. But that, that kind of scuppers. Most things, if he's trying to get into the vault, well, she's got Ooh, the key then. Maybe she got, needs to have the key. She's been there fifty years, roughly speaking, fifty years. Mm-hmm. So it could be Dodo in there. Could be, <laughs> could be himself. She'd probably be his future self. Well, well it would be uh, yeah. Ben and Polly, wouldn't it? If it was fifty years, it would be sixty-seven. In fact, if we go back exactly fifty years, we land up on the day that the war machines, the evil of the Daleks, and what's the other one, all take place on the same day. The faceless ones. Mm. Mm. It that was be, exactly 50 years ago. It could, be, it could be an episode of Web of Fear. Could oh, no, be. hang on. It that was 66. So, no. It could be missing episodes. This could be the big reveal. I mean, episode, they're they're the they open the, the door. And, and goes, guess what, viewers? And then suddenly <laughs> there's a whole repeat season of, yeah. of missing episodes. Yeah. And we'll find it. He'll find it at Christmas and he'll turn around to the camera and go, Happy Christmas, everybody! Yeah, Happy Christmas. <laughs> it's a very censored version of the Celestial Toy Room that we're allowed <laughs> allow to show on television. If breaking the fourth wall, maybe Chris Chibnall's inside it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am saying, though, isn't it obvious that Missy opens it to find John Sim? Isn't that... I like it, the idea that tell you what, if that doesn't happen, I've uh, got mm. my money back. <laughs> The other thing, then, are we going to talk about the other thing that they've been talking about for Christmas? Do you want to leave the room for a couple of minutes? Oh, uh, this quite, yeah. All right. Although this is nice, this is nice spoiler territory. And it might not be, a, it might not be a spoiler. Is no, this still... is a like five minute conversation. Right. All right, Lee's leaving the room. We'll shout. So, Lee's leaving the room to terrify my house. Don't aim into the water because we'll hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I take it then you both have seen the yeah yeah spoiler for Christmas, mm-hmm. which has the ring of truth of it to me. So I think it probably is true. Mm. I mean, do you agree? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, anybody who's listening, such a good idea. It doesn't. That doesn't. Are we allowed to say what the spoiler yeah. is? Just to make well, sure I'm just going to say thinks, for yeah. anybody listening who doesn't know what the spoiler about Christmas that was revealed by the mirror, right. then turn off your podcast now because. This is the end of the podcast, and this is what we're going to talk about to the end. Mm. So you won't miss anything beyond this, I wouldn't have thought. So the spoiler is that the Christmas episode will essentially feature in the companion realm, David Bradley is the first Doctor. Yeah. Which is a... Sparkling idea. a good idea. Yeah. And it's, there's, pre- there's precedent. I think the, the first Doctor is the, it's it's the only the one that the only you can one do that Because there's precedent of Richard Herndl. And also... There's something about the first Doctor. He's distant enough. And this and sort of precedent in Adventure in Space and Time. Yeah. That was the yeah, thing yeah, everybody yeah. was saying yeah. afterwards. Mm. That he should come yeah. back and actually play the first Doctor mm. for real. Yeah. And Stephen Moffat tends to take notice of what fans say yeah. if he thinks it's a good idea. And obviously, this is one of those ones where he said, right, I'll stick that in my head. He's got this extra season and he's thought, well, okay, maybe it's time to use that idea. And David Bradley's a fantastic actor. Yeah, he quite, is. And quite and they can say, oh, you look just like that bloke out of dinosaurs on a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Lee, that's the problem Lee would have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he's a good enough actor to manage to play oh, multiple characters. Yeah. And seeing him with Capaldi, I mean, that's just, yeah. It will be two, two old men at Christmas. But, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's. The first Doctor is probably the only one that you could... This is what I always say, is like, if you're going to bring something out of the past, are you doing it for a good reason? And are you doing it in a way that a casual audience who don't necessarily care about things of the past will relate to? Mm. And this is why I've said one of the things about Pearl Mackey is I think she might be Susan. And now I'm actually starting to think she might be. But I originally said it as a joke. But because the Doctor's granddaughter... Is one of the things that you could bring out of the past, and a casual audience who don't care about her being the first companion can say she's his granddaughter. That's a emotional relationship that you can relate to. So do you? Do you and the first Doctor is an emotional beat you, that you can relate to. So does Pearl Mackey potentially being Susan and the return of the first Doctor is is that connected? Do you think? Possibly. Potentially. But yeah. What's even more well, interesting, I think, though, yeah, but just to answer Matt's question, yeah. I think the fact that the first Doctor's in it mm. cements the idea that she might be Susan even more. Mm. Mm. I was going to say, what I find really interesting, though, is you've got the first Doctor there, and it's going to culminate in a regeneration. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a nice little dynamic there, isn't there, if the first mm. Doctor's involved in well, that. There's, so there's, the, there's also the question that he's... So he's already filmed his his death scene, and he's talking about his death scene being different. So I like the idea of him effectively starting to regenerate at the end of this season, and the Christmas special is somehow a story set during his long regeneration, because they've had semi-lengthy regenerations. They've had a sudden regeneration when he got his new cycle between Matt Smith and Mm. Capaldi. The idea of a Christmas special where he knows he's dying, happy Christmas... But but slowly, hey, that's slowly what EastEnders does every year. And yeah, but I I really like that idea. Well, I, it's I not a million miles away from what I suggested about the fifteen hour rule. Yeah, except you just yeah. get to Capaldi for another episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he regenerates at the end of the series. This is this series culminates in he in the thing 
of import that will cause his death. Yeah. And then he gets 60 minutes at Christmas mm-hmm. to do one more thing before he goes. Yeah. And that one more thing is somehow, I don't know, if, if it goes the way I'm thinking, the way I've sort of foresee it might, then somehow for some... What I said last week, I don't know if you've heard last week. No. Well, I was just I was just talking rubbish last week, but <laughs> I said Pearl Mackie would be Susan, who somebody during the Time War has rescued from Earth 200 years in the future, and she's regenerated at some point, or she regenerates then, whatever, and we'll see it in a flashback, because they get Caroline Ford in for five minutes to do a flashback. Mini sort of thing, right? So we get talking. Yeah, we'll get to see the regeneration, right? Yeah, and then we see her regenerate into Pearl Mackie. They put a chameleon arch on her to disguise her, stick her on Earth in the twenty first century, which is fifty years away from where she left Earth. Thinking that's a safe place, she'll never bump into the Doctor there. And lo and behold, what do you know? She bumps into the Doctor. The series ends, and in this final two parter with two breeds of Cybermen and two breeds of Master. And Pearl Mackie gets unveiled as Susan. And she doesn't want to continue travelling with the Doctor because she lived for 50 years in the future where she didn't. So, But the point is, that could be the trigger that brings the first Doctor into it. Plus also you've got the Tenth Planet Cybermen there. Well, I do like... So it's like it's all dovetailing together. Yeah, I do like the... The, the the repeater's old new thing. You're right because also the John Sim Master we know has a kind of a Delgado look now from with the, the brief, beard, yeah, yeah, from yeah. The brief look. So you've got old master, new master, and as you say, old Cyberman, new Cyberman, old Christmas Susan, special, new Susan, old, old Doctor, Doctor, new Doctor. Doctor. Yeah, I it's do, kind of a thing. And I, Stephen Moffat, the one thing he'll go back to, the one well he always goes back to, is the first Doctor. Hmm. He did the story of how they originally escaped from Gallifrey. And it's like a thing with him. You know, his TARDIS is based around the TARDIS from the early 1960s. More Mm. specifically, the one that's in the movies, because that's the more cinematic one. Mm. But it's very much... Stephen Moffat has a very 1960s thing. And in the anniversary year, which was 50 years on from, um, you know, An Unearthly Child, he tied lots of things into that very first Mm. episode. This is the regeneration year of the first Doctor in a new cycle. It seems like he's tying things into... Yeah, the regeneration of the... I think you're right about... So my initial reaction was they could only do this with the first Doctor. Yeah. The exception that I had was bringing Sean Pertwee back as the third Doctor. Because Sean Pertwee's a really good actor. And he has a resemblance to John Pertwee. I mean, it's a stretch, but once they've once they've set this precedent of recasting the Doctors, which obviously they had in the original series, but they glossed over it. That's the only. That's the only. I can't see them recasting Tom Baker. I can't see them really recasting Troughton. But well, David re- Troughton is, and a couple of the other Troughtons aren't bad matches. Okay. But what? A, but, but yeah. But, but Sean, the precedent Sean would Pertwee. have to be the first Doctor. Yeah. And the reason, and the reason it's the first Doctor is because well, it's there in the word mm. first. Yeah. You, did, what reason would you have for bringing back the second Doctor? What reason would you have for bringing back the third Doctor? Yes. Yeah. It would be pretty spurious. It would be indulgent. Yeah. But whereas indulgence, there's nothing stopping them being indulgent. Once no. Month, true. Going for that. 
I mean, bringing back Tom Baker was an indulgence. Well, at some yeah. point, at some point, if you want to bring Doctors back, you have to go into recasting. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah. 1983 was that point, wasn't it? Yes. Because they yeah. did it. Yeah. So, you know. And I'm really excited. I, mean, I really like David Bradley as an actor. And yes. I think, I think that's pro- probably the most exciting idea for a Christmas special I've heard. I'm more excited than when they talked about bringing Alex Kingston back as River Song. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and the adventure in space and time is a really good was a really good audition for somebody to play the first. <laughs> well, absolutely. And you know what? All that sort of I say, what's the word? Not really hatred, but all the despisal of the fact that they recast the first Doctor in nineteen eighty three has been mitigated against by the fact that they did an adventure in space and time, and fandom was actually found that. In, wanting more of it yeah. yeah so actually it's the perfect time and the perfect person to do it with mm. yeah so yeah should we call lee back in so i mean is there more no it's yeah. just reminded me though the did i read this week that <clears throat> chris chibnall is literally with his writer's room idea he's literally clean sweep oh no 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 that's just something he said, Mark he said, said. He said he's it? building his team Okay. Which, Mark, no, this is coming from a quote from Mark Gatiss. Yeah, but the, so, quote, the quote was, he's building his team, and people read into that as being... No, Mark Gatiss said, I don't think there'll be anybody who's written for Doctor Who before. That was oh, the quote okay. people are talking okay. about. Right. Okay. Somebody asked Gatiss, are you going to be writing for Chris Chibnall? And he said, I don't think so. I don't think anybody who's written for Doctor Who will be writing for Chris Chibnall. I think it will be entirely new people. Mm. And some people have taken that to mean, it will be entirely new people. Okay. Mm-hmm. When, of course you know, until it's all locked in. Nobody knows one way or the other. It might be to start with, I guess. Mm. But then you gradually, like, you know... With Stephen Moffat, kind... Well, obviously had Gators, because he's Mm. his friend. But as I recall, Series 5 was, by and large, people who had... Chipnall as well. Yeah, but... Okay, it was none of the regulars, is what I mean. Chipnall had written one for Mm. Russell T. Davis and Whithouse had written one for Russell T. Davis, but they weren't Russell T. Davis go-tos. When it came, Stephen Moffat's first series was kind of brand new people apart from Mm. Mark Gatiss in terms of go-to writers. Because then Chibnall and Whithouse would then continue to use, whereas Russell T. Davis just used them once and that was it. Mm -hmm. It was kind of, the team changed. Mm Mm-hmm. Is essentially what I'm saying, I guess. What do you think to the idea that because it's a different dynamic, because it's a writer's room, that they, in theory, could get writers in who haven't necessarily written for television? I wouldn't have thought that that if... Mm, I mean, potentially, but you would think... If there was going to be a writer's room, and say there's four people in it, mm. you'd think there would be four people who weren't names, but who had the experience. And because each... Each writer in the writer's room would be given responsibility for individual episodes. Okay. So it wouldn't be like <clears throat> a, a block of writers no, collectively no. writing each episode. So mm. they'll harvest off episodes to each writer. But also this, the other writers will support them in the, in the writing of that. And so each, each, each one of the people would be there. Yeah. Each one of those people needs to know how to write a television script. Okay. Mm. And that's more than just knowing whereabouts on the page you're supposed to put the words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking story building in the same way as Pixar do, you know. No, because they can't afford that. Because the BBC aren't going to have a writer's room of like 25 people. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It'd be it'd be like probably four or six people. Mm-hmm. And each of them will be named on like two episodes through the run. But all of them will contribute to each other's episodes. I mean, I'm speculating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's the BBC. Mm-hmm. 
So it's not going to be on a big scale, is it? No, no, no. Shall I see if I can grab Lee and he can say goodbye? Or should yeah. we just say goodbye without him? Should we say goodbye? We're, uh, we've got one minute before we're exactly an hour. Well, by the time I put the music on, by the time I put the music on, we'll be like a minute or two over. Oh, that's so disappointing. Can't you? Can't you cut out some of? I don't know. Your money. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't edit. You know, I don't edit. Okay. No. All right. Let's say goodbye, and then we'll get Lee to say goodbye as a little Easter egg after the music. Okay. So next week we'll be talking about the uh, thin ice, is what it's called, isn't it? So next week, thin ice. Until then, I was JR. I was Simon. I was Matt. And we'll speak again then. been Lee. Bye bye. Smile.